Yes, now, are you, the, are you the only person allowed to say, hello, humans? Um, can I ask a question? Who's Red Leader? <laughs> well, I'd be Rogue Leader, but apparently that's Felicity Jones. Um, so, yeah. I mean, as long as I can... Is Wedge Red Leader? As long as I can be Wedge. Yeah. I don't care what color. Yeah, you're Wedge, dude. You're Red Leader. He's Red Leader? Okay. All right. I'll be, uh, I'll be Purple Leader. Cool. Yeah. So we got Red Leader, Purple Leader, and uh, Gabriel. What are you? I forget the colors of the readers, uh, the leaders. To be honest, is there does any color w- will work, or does it have to be uh, accurate to the? Is it too offensive to call you Black Leader? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. You could call me. You could call me White though. Leader. I'm the whitest motherfucker on the planet. If you're the Black Leader, you'll you'll be shot first. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, actually, I should be Red Leader because of my hair and my face, but anyways, we'll, we'll go get there some other time. Um, so, alright, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to a very special Bizzlecast. It's special for a number of reasons. It is my first uh, official Star Wars podcast. I have some commentaries for the movies I haven't released yet, but this is going to come first. Also, my first roundtable, um, a, a couple weeks ago, I did a commentary on Ex Machina with my buddy Aaron over Skype, where we had to align the movies. It was very challenging. It worked out. This is challenging for a different reason. I have two people from two different uh, places coming in through one feed to one computer. I think it's going to work out great. Um, I'll introduce Gabriel first, because he's a first-timer. Gabriel, tell, uh, tell the Bizzlecast what up. What's up, Bizzlecast? Uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be on i started to listen to the Bizzlecast about six weeks ago uh in response to some some really crazy talk about matrix reloaded having the best uh some like the best fight scenes in in, in cinematic history which i i, I you know i do not agree okay. with that uh all at right. all and I, I challenge that with my entire being <laughs> and uh yeah, I met Jesse uh grad school in around 2011. Cool dude. Really just fun to hear him talk. He made uh he made the lectures interesting. His, his depth of knowledge is great and uh that's a tough thing to do with Dr. Blankenship around even shine a little bit. But Yeah, I'm glad to have Gabriel on. I've already had my buddy uh, Yark on twice, talking about Spain and racism and and various things like that, academic topics, but trying to bring it to the people. He also was in that program with me. We didn't over sex, so Yark and and Gabriel don't know each other. And just for context for the other listeners who weren't in the Temple's Religion Department, I know they're out there. Doctor Blankenship is just the world's smartest oh, yeah. man, like period. Okay. Yeah, just... yeah. Which, 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 uh, Yarek and I mentioned, I believe, multiple times in both podcasts, <laughs> actually. So, um, but uh, like Yarek, I've been wanting to have Gabriel on because he was another dude from uh, grad school that I just really connected with and had fun hanging out with and talking about all sorts of shit. Totally intellectual guy. Very. I don't want to define your politics, but he's very for- forward thinking dude. More, um, a uh, contrarian man of action, I'd say. You mm, know? Contrarian man of action, like Batman. Uh, <laughs> more like Batman than anybody anybody knows or realizes. You know, I can't. I'm not even at liberty to talk about how much I'm like Batman. So, um, so yeah, so we got uh, Gabriel on. I didn't even know he was into Star Wars, which is what's great about. Uh, well, it's what's great about Star Wars is you just never know who's into it because it's a nerd property that everybody loves or many people love who aren't into nerdy stuff. Maybe we'll get into that. Dietz, I did know, liked Star Wars, um, because when I asked him if he read or liked any fantasy other than Game of Thrones, he just named Star Wars, and I was like, huh, okay, uh, maybe I'm taking the wrong tack, and I've been getting into this discussion recently, maybe this will be a good place to jump in, is, uh, because I, I, I uh, recorded another cast earlier in the week, which I haven't released yet, uh, all about Star Trek versus Star Wars, and visions of science fiction, uh, and, and our society and how we really get around <laughs> major issues like AI and uh, the internet and these big science fiction properties. They just ignore it or find reasons to ignore it. And that includes Star Trek and Star Wars for various reasons. But how, you know, the debate about whether Star Wars is more fantasy than sci-fi and whether that is something that, that's appealing to people. So Dietz, I didn't give you your intro. Why don't you give a quick shout out? You want to jump in on that question? Am I shouting out or am I... Am I... You're going to 
Comment. Yeah, no, just do a quick shout out because I forgot to introduce you before. And then, <laughs> That's okay. And then, uh, then yeah, and then because you were the one who who made the Star Wars as fantasy comparison. That I I thought about before, but not really that hard. I had always thought of it as science fiction. That made a lot more sense to me. So um, yeah, the Bizzlecast knows you, dude. Your Bizzlecast is about to hit a hundred. You're, you're about to hit. Oh. Yeah, you're about to hit rarefied bum, 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 air. People know people know the deets. So just shout out some love and then jump in on the Star Wars as fantasy question. Yeah, baby. Well, uh, we're going on tour to L.A. and uh, Santa Cruz and San Luis Obispo um, this weekend, man. So really excited for that. And for the Bizzlecasters, the third album is underway. So I'm excited about that. And, Word up. Um, so Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know. I think it is. I think it is kind of in that realm of fantasy and science fiction. I mean, I think if you go to something like Star Trek, I mean, there's a lot more like fake science words like floating around or like scientific ideas. And, you know, you have to adjust the engines to do this and stave off some plasma this and something like this, where I feel like Star Wars I mean, yes, it's in space. Yes, there's like starfighters and things like that. But I think it's really, I don't know, it's like characters. It's characters and heavily, heavily driven by, you know, the fight for good and evil. And so I think if anything, that kind of, I don't know if that reminds me of fantasy per se, but I think that there is just more of a simplistic, you could take that story anywhere, which I think is why perhaps, you know, it could happen in a long time ago and a far, far away or whatever, whatever it is that it feels like it's a story from long, long ago. Um, but then set in space kind of makes it the, the funny piece about that. Right. Absolutely. Is there a, a dinging sound? Does anyone hear that? Those are, sorry, I have wind chimes, dude. I live, I live up in the beautiful hills of Oakland. No, they're so, very soothing. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy. No, you're not. Well, you well might be, right. Yeah, those are wind they're, chimes. They're not mutually, mutually exclusive. Um, so, uh, all right. So Gabriel, throw it to you. I mean, like when, when you, is Star Wars science fiction? Is it fantasy or is it something other? It's a lot of fantasy, uh, more so than you know the other fr- franchises you you mentioned, like a Matrix or a Star Trek or uh, uh, anything else really having to do with space. I mean, you're right that it, it doesn't really dwell on the science that makes it possible, and the central focus is this, like the Force, which is this kind of un- in- intangible, amorphous kind of kind of thing that. You know, really, that science can't explain until you introduce that whole metachlorian nonsense, which, oh, which I don't know if you want to like go into, but I think that was an attempt uh, for George Lucas to. I don't know. It seemed like the rest of the dialogue in the movie, like he he really had a problem for characters to just express emotions without saying like, you know, I really right. hate this or I love you, I'm in love with you, instead right. of just allowing readers or the the the, the viewer to just pick that up from 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 clues and from emotions and from you know not the dialogue so i think lucas almost wanted to explain force in the same way that like all right well these people are won't have any idea what the force is, is unless we give it this source this like metachlorian thing and it it's it yeah. did it didn't really match with the entire universe with what was set up before and it was kind of disregarded so that like rejection of that whole idea of like, Oh, that's, you know, having a scientific explanation for the force is so ridiculous. It was just outright rejected by the fandom, even in the story. Like it's not really even after episode one, it's not even uh, spoke of again, really. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was no thing uh, that there was one, one scene where Mace Windu and Yoda are like, you know, are the force is diminishing, but they never were like, Oh, you are metachlorian levels are like running on empty. Like, what are we doing? So, Yeah, so I, you know, I back up what Adam said. Like it is, you know, that it kind of, you know, that was a foreign idea that was, you know, you know not only eject, uh, rejected by the fans, but even, you know, Lucas later on, you can see it was kind of just abandoned. So entirely in the fantasy camp. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, here with my boys Dietz and Gabriel, good friends of mine. Dietz has been on the Bizzlecast before. Gabriel is um, a first timer, although um, a, a guy I really like having. Um, conversations with over the years 
And we are here today to talk about Star Wars, and uh, we are Star Wars fans, as many people are. Um, but we do, uh, you know, see both the the good, the light sides and the dark sides of the Force, uh, and we can see that with the new movies. We definitely uh, saw that with um, the uh, the prequels and uh, with the original trilogy. It was sort of happening in terms of like you know hyper materialism and, and things like that were happening while those movies were were being made and released. Um, and, and we really want to talk about sort of the materialist legacy, both good and bad, of Star Wars. But just to get started, we got some trailers. They said they were only going to release one. They released it on Monday Night Football. It was amazing. And then a day or two ago, they released an international trailer going in completely against what J.J. was saying. But I'm glad because it's awesome. So we now have about six to seven minutes worth of Star Wars trailers I watched all of them a bunch. I thought the one they released on Monday Night Football, although I didn't see it on TV live, I watched it on YouTube, was really one of the better trailers I've seen for any sort of action sci-fi movie in terms of the music and the editing and, and everything like that. So um, we'll start with Gabriel. Initial reactions just from trailers and stuff that you've read. Are you a spoiler guy? Do you stay away from it? Uh, do you even watch the trailers? What are, what are you thinking right now, a short time away from uh, the release of um, the Force Awakens Episode Seven. Well, first of all, I just want to apologize. We we are talking about the prequels for we were talking about the prequels a bit, and in just when these amazing trailers are dropping, and it's, we should be looking to the future and really be focused on uh, that. Really, like all that stuff is in the past. I mean, in the, you can see in the trailer the the expanded ones where you know Han Solo has to remind people that. Uh, Finn and and Ray that that Jedi are even real and that those things even from episode uh, episode four five and six even happened you know so you know it's, that that's brings a lot of hope that you know those things from the prequels are even farther away and just from the looks of the trailers that uh, the practical effects the from the international trailer like there being more dialogue it sounds great you know there's energy behind behind delivery. Yeah, there's just, there's just a lot to look forward to. I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, yeah, everything looks great so far. The music, returning characters, what they're not showing. You know, the the, the mystery behind behind Luke. It's it's all coming together just uh, to be a great great campaign uh, build up for a movie, a camp a ad campaign, a trailer. I mean, it's really something that they can't fail. In terms, people are going to go see it, and it's probably going to be the biggest movie of all time. And they could have you know, relaxed on that and not delivered with the, what information they were giving the, and even releasing the trailer during Monday night football, just make making it more of a, a spectacle and more, more of a, an event to get people talking, you know, even, you know, forcing a bunch of people who probably wouldn't even be in the star Wars. Like, you know, we're, we're, this is Monday night football in America. You know, get ready. Star Wars is coming. Yeah. I'm excited. And it's, it's really, I think if, when these come out, it will, kind of put the pain, you know, surrounding the prequels behind us, you know, Lucas is gone and uh, JJ Abrams. And I don't want to get into too much, but yeah, that's my initial, initial excitement from the, from the trailers and like where star Wars is now. Uh, there's no such thing as too much, buddy. We're going to too much territory <laughs> uh, in terms of JJ and that stuff. That's totally right on point. I completely agree with everything you said. Um, uh, Dietz, before I, I, I give my uh, reactions, what are your th- early thoughts about trailers and, and marketing and, and all that stuff? I mean, first of all, I think it's a bit funny that they did it during a Monday night football game, but I don't know how many Star Wars people... Well, I guess it would be funny how many Star Wars folks logged on to watch Monday Night Football just to see the trailer, I wonder. They doubled the audience during halftime, so there you have it. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Sweet. Um, I mean, I'm totally pumped up, man. I mean, I I was pumped up to see the prequels. I mean, it's I, I love Star Wars. I, I think, you know, ironically, I was talking to Jesse about Ghostbusters earlier today. Like, I think aside from Ghostbusters, like, Star Wars is the first movie I remember seeing as a little kid. So, I mean, I was in, you know, three, four years old, I was into this, and... Um, I can't wait. Like I'm really pumped up. I think, and I agree, you know, I want to, I want to echo what Gabe said. Yeah. Like there was definitely like a disappointment from the prequels. They sucked. It didn't, it wasn't what we wanted. And then like to see star Wars come back and it looks pretty badass. Like the visuals look awesome. Um, you know, like there's lots of jokes about dudes, uh, lightsaber, but that looks cool, man. Like it's different. Like we're, we're moving forward. Like there's going to be different stuff. 
the I love the broad saber. I don't know. I think it's badass, man. It's amazing. It's badass. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was unsure about it at first, but the, to see him actually wield it and the, with the over, like the two handed, like overhand grip, as if it, it just gives a lot more gravity to it, especially uh, coming off of the prequels where there was just so much just twirling on a lightsaber and just them spinning around and it became just, it just lacks so much impact. But now with this lightsaber, that's, even the look of the lightsaber is just something we haven't seen before. And like the energy, it doesn't look like a like a static beam. It's like this, like I don't know. It's like it seems like it's kind of this dynamic, like light wave thing. It looks pr- like it like rip a lot of shit apart. So it looks it pretty looks, cool for me. It looks more like flame than laser, which yeah, I love. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know, the notion is okay. So. Bizzlecast listeners, before we move forward, this is a spoiler-free podcast. However, it is not a, you know, <laughs> hypothetical, theoretical, uh, musings-free podcast. So I, I don't know very many true spoilers, but I have heard a lot of speculation. And, and for the sake of having fun, we're going to speculate. We're not going to give away any, you know, like, oh, we heard from the script this or that. I don't think any of the three of us even care or know that much about it, but there will be some speculation. And most of it can be pieced together just from the trailers. And one of the things I think that can be pieced together is that just like the Jedi haven't been around in a while, the Sith haven't been around in a while, and so um, Adam Driver, who plays Kylo Ren, you know, the big Sith bad guy, the notion is is that he is has you know like almost a fetishized obsession with the sith and that's the shot we see multiple times with him having darth vader's mask and you know worshiping you know the old ways of the sith almost like he's a he's like a dark historian you know slash archaeologist he is all it's possible that his broadsaber could be like thousands of years old from when the sith Hmm. you know were previously around it's definitely the vibe they're trying to give off is that this guy isn't just a one-dimensional villain but you know truly in the same way you know luke is fascinated with the past about the jedi with no jedi around that that someone like kylo ren would would collect artifacts right and would be sort of an old school sith lord um as opposed to you know uh saruman (laughs) aka christopher lee you know that kind of thing so that's been my impression i think the 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 broadsword with the flame is done very intentionally it's going to be unwieldy but it's very powerful which is very medieval i like the way they're going with that I mean, do you think Kylo Ren is a bit of like a fanboy, like a, a Dark Vader fanboy who maybe built this costume himself, you know, patterned it after? Maybe even the lightsaber is improvised. You know, maybe that like flame aspect of it is that like the the laser isn't as clean as you know some other the old technologies because he he made it himself and it you know those were the modifications that he made. But you know, maybe that's like a flaw in the in the design. It's it's broad and unwieldy and you know, has a, a less defined laser, you know? I think he's definitely a Darth Vader fanboy. I mean, they make it pretty clear when he's speaking to the mask in the trailer. I suppose that could have been an overdub, but it looks like it's yeah. part of the movie. He's even got um, collectibles. He's probably have, you know, yeah. he's got the mask. He may have, like, the, the lunchbox. Lo- totally. The it's like in, uh, have you guys seen the Avengers, the original Avengers movie? You mean, oh, like, five years ago? Yeah, yeah, the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. It's like how, you know, Agent Coulson is swooning over uh, Captain America. Right, right, right. And wants him to sign his Captain America trading cards. And, you know, it's a near mint set. And, and, like, you know, he's the... It's great to have a fanboy in a fanboy property, right? I mean, this is going way the other way with Kylo Ren being so dark and genocidal or whatever. But yeah, no, Gabriel, you hit on the head. I, 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 I've heard other people put it that way. Um, I wouldn't have put that together myself. He totally nailed it. He's a dark Lord Sith fanboy. And that's a good point about him actually making the lightsaber look old school, even if it's not. Now, another idea that, that came to me is... You know, it's hard to make lightsabers. When, when in Return of the Jedi, when they've quote unquote captured Luke, he's on the Death Star with uh, with the Emperor and Vader. Vader, I th- I think it's Vader is looking at Luke's lightsaber that he made, the green lightsaber, and he's very impressed by it. And we also see multiple handoffs in the trailers for the new movies of the old lightsaber and Boyega's using Luke's old lightsaber, I believe, or it's Anakin's perhaps. The point being, making lightsabers is not easy, and so I think there's more to it than that. Uh, Dietz, any thoughts on the uh, lightsaber boner talk here? (laughs) 
That is a one. I, I can't get that image out of my head. Thank you. Um, it's, it's the Schwartz. Thank you. It's the Schwartz. I was thinking today on my walk before we came to talk about this, if we were going to talk about space balls at all. Um, so that didn't take long. But um, I feel like I don't know where in the Star Wars stories, but I feel like I've always wondered the same thing. Like, how do you build a lightsaber? Like, how is that one like better than the other one? Like, why is why is his bigger than mine? Like, what's going on there? And I feel like somewhere in the stories there was like a, it's like it's a crystal or something, and then like you have to have you hit. Okay, here's my question: Do you have to have the force to make the lightsaber work? Well, this is interesting because we know for a fact, you know, that John Boyega is definitely using a lightsaber. I personally think he's a Jedi. You know, I mean, he, he stands um, no chance yeah. in that fight if he's not a Jedi. But some, you know, people on the internet are saying no, he's not a Jedi. He's just forced to use the lightsaber in that situation. You know, Ray is the obvious Jedi. She has to be the child of Luke or Leia, right? I mean, has to be. Has to be. You know, they give her an accent. I think that just because they don't want Daisy Ridley having to m- mimic an American accent, they just said, screw it. You know, I mean, we've heard Leia with an English accent briefly in the original New Hope. So, you know, it, it seems impossible. Um, this would be a good bridge, actually, to talk about the two most important people in this film. Obviously, Daisy Ridley, who's done nothing but gives me chills every second she's on screen with the trailers. I shit you not. I don't know what it is about her. She just she shows so much emotion. And Boyega, who I did know from Attack of the Block, uh, if I don't know if you guys have seen that. Oh yeah, he's done great movie, great movie. Yeah, and I just I I'm, he's a great social media guy. I mean, he's just funny. He's a great actor. He also just jumps out. They're building this whole series around a young female lead and a young uh, male black lead. You know, it's time for it. I'm really excited. But they're not doing it superficially. You know, they really went out and picked two young actors. And if you follow them online, they are so freaking into it. Have you guys seen the videos of their responses to seeing the trailer? No. I haven't. So when they release the, the Monday, so they don't get to see the trailer ahead of time. Or at least they didn't get to see the Monday Night Football one on. So there's two. They they had people, their friends, video them watching the trailer. Okay, John Boyega and his boy are sitting on the couch, just going, "Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no." And then when there's that <laughs> final shot, when there's that final shot of Boyega with the lightsaber, Boyega literally falls off the back of the couch. Looks like he's gonna destroy the couch. Starts screaming and jumping around. And Daisy Ridley, on the other hand, is so scared. She's watching it on her iPhone in her like in her bed with her sheets pulled up, and she doesn't get ten seconds in, and she just starts bawling and crying like tears of joy. I mean, these guys are so invested. They know they're going to be the faces of this franchise. It looks like they nailed it without even having seen it. Yeah, I don't know. Thoughts? I, I mean, this seems to be like a great decision, even though Boyega's done some stuff. Ridley's done nothing. I'm already sold. Anyone can jump in. Yeah, the the bar is set so low, you know, from the the last movies we've seen. It, it can't help but be an improvement over, you know, what we had to suffer through. So there's there's going to be optimism there. Like, yeah, but if I can just jump in, if I mean, I do want to talk about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot at some point because there are a lot of clues in that movie about what this movie is going to be like, and that's one of my favorite movies. It also shows that J.J. is great at rebooting things, which is awesome, but. Uh, the cast of this new Star Trek crew is so impeccable. And yes, we knew Zoe Saldana was going to be great. But outside of that, most, you know, and Simon Pegg, you know, outside of Zoe Saldana and Simon Pegg, we really didn't know a lot of those cast guys. I mean, you know, even freaking John Cho uh, from Harold and Kumar, who plays Sulu, is fantastic in the Star Trek movies. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I know J.J. Abrams is the director, but he also wrote it. He, they, they're involved in the casting process. I don't think they just plucked some cute little English chick named Daisy Ridley. They did their homework. And the casting, I think, is the thing I'm least worried about. I'm not worried about it either. And I think, I mean, I think we have to talk about whatever reaction there's been to like, oh my God, there's a black man in Star Wars and being a lead. And that like, there's been like such negative, not, I don't think there's been a lot of negative reaction, but that there's been negative reaction and like people freaking out. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, whatever that that's, that blows my mind about America, but then I'm not shocked. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that they did that. I think that's great. And I think that they, that was, I'm sorry to interrupt Dietz. That, that no, whole yeah, thing was, it was overdone. I mean, there was people were retweeting fake tweets. It, it just spiraled out of control. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Cause that, yeah. that, I mean, just, there's, 
I have little patience for for that, and it just it, it just continues to amaze me that level of stupidity. But um, beyond that, I think that you know it's 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 um you know something I noticed with like the Avengers or you know Superman, like we have all these like white faces like heroes. You know, and then like you have to go out of your way to create like Black Panther or different comic strips to like, oh, actually, there are other there are people of color in the world that, you know, could be heroes and do stuff. And I'm really thrilled that Star Wars did that. You know, I think that there have been people of color in Star Wars before, and I'm just glad that Alib is going to be a person of color and a female. And I think that that is wonderful. I think that's a really great choice. And I'm glad they did that. So just really quickly to jump in. I'm glad you mentioned Black Panther. So I'm a huge Marvel guy. Adam knows this. Gabriel, I assume you know that from listening to my podcasts. And I've been predicting for like two to three years that Black Panther is going to be one of the greatest comic book movies ever. I don't know if it's going to be the first Black Panther movie, but one of those. And I think he's totally going to steal many scenes, if not the movie, in Cap Civil War in the spring. He's such a phenomenal actor. It's perfect casting. The Black Panther character is so meant for the screen. He's like a much cooler Batman, basically. Who's and the actor? Chadwick Boseman. Oh, cool. Right on. Uh, did Jackie Robinson in 42. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, James Brown. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, so all of a sudden we go from having almost no black superheroes to in in Cap Civil War, we've got Black Panther, we've got Anthony Mackie as Falcon, who's awesome, and we have more Don Cheadle now as, as War Machine, who, too, who is finally. The, who is the blackest actor in Hollywood? <laughs> it doesn't get much blacker than Don Cheadle. You got Don <laughs> right. Cheadle, like, they could have quit there. Like, we have Don Cheadle you know, and, and Samuel L., but they're even, like, you know, taking yeah. it even further, so, you know. You know. Yeah. So what so what I'm saying is the fact that we're getting Finn and, you know, T'Challa in like a few month period is really mind blowing. You know, uh, DC Comics is way behind the curve, whatever. We we don't have to get there. And yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if JJ's, you know, original uh, treatment said, I want a woman in a, in a young person of color to be my leads. But it makes sense. I mean, in, in this day and age, little white boys, you know, have, uh, you know, I mean, depending on the community they come from, but, you know, little white boys from normal communities will easily get behind a character like Finn. And I, I'll throw this to you, Gabriel. I mean, you know, being a, a, a black individual yourself who are into these things and are into Star Wars despite the whiteness of it in the past. Do you feel like this is just kind of a a token gesture? I, I'm not, you know, or or that there's more to this from um, from sort of Disney side of this whole thing and diversification, which again Disney owns Marvel as well, so you can throw that in too. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. The well, give me one second. I mean, there's, there's been a history of black characters in Star Wars: Lando, Calrissian, James Earl Jones. Yeah, James Earl Jones as Dark Vader's voice. I mean, is that's you know the most iconic one of the most iconic things from the movie and the most iconic voice maybe in cinematic history is <laughs> i'm sorry i have to cut you off have you guys seen chasing amy kevin smith oh, it's been years it's been so like- there, there's an ongoing debate in chasing amy about darth vader and i can't remember who it is at the comic book convention or something early on gets up uh, a black dude and goes off about you know you got darth vader voiced by james earl jones the baddest blackest dude in the galaxy and then at the end of return of the jedi he turns out to be a crusty old white guy (laughs) 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 they couldn't even just make him black you know what i mean sorry i i was thinking that before the podcast and you you just you you cued me up there Um, i guess my question is more along the lines of uh, you know they cast boyega for his talent obviously I mean, I think guys like JJ are of the generation that's more, I hate to use the word colorblind because we know that's a bullshit term, but meaning, you know, it wasn't like, okay, a checklist, we're going to have one black guy, one Asian person, one this, whatever. Um, We just want people of color all around. And you can already tell from the trailers that Daisy Ridley and John Boyega have great chemistry, it seems, on screen. So that's another big thing. I guess we're not sort of in a post-racial era, (laughs) obviously. But, you know, I I mean, 
let me put it this way. The way I've been describing it, am I overstating the importance of a guy like John Boyega in this situation? Understating it? Or somewhere in the middle? I think it's proper because, I mean, look, it, it matters. You know, I think I think we can say, we, I think all three of us can agree that, you know, race does matter. Like, we have to pay attention. And I think that, I, and I, I don't think it's a token gesture either, but I think it would have been really irresponsible if they just had continued casting just white American males to be all these characters or white British males to be like all the heroic characters. And like, I mean, if you meet a black man, like the bad guy, that would be kind of questionable. So I I think it's, I think it's cool. And I'm glad that that's there. And I think we can, I think we have to, I think being intellectual, it's fair to comment about it and then just let it be and, and, you know, let the ride continue. And we forgot to mention Mace. Oh, Mace Windu is in Star Wars. We forgot about that guy. Oh yeah. Mace Windu. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabriel. Yeah. And and it should be stated that they may, I mean, just in the climate that we're currently in the social media, the same kind of controversy that arose over some actors being casted as black, Johnny Storm, uh, Nick Fury. uh, What else was another Hunger Games books? Idris Elba and Thor. Yeah, Idris Elba and Thor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Him being possibly being uh, James Bond, which has been in the ether for, you know, almost half a decade now. It's the only you can almost count on there being it becoming a story. You know, yeah, now yeah. whether or not J.J. Abrams is, you know, there may be an impetus to to actually stick it to to bigots and say, you know what, I got something for you. And then knowing that you know it's not a demographic that probably would be into Star Wars anyway. I mean, because any, any true fanboy or fan is going to know like the important the the black roles that have been in the series throughout. So it, at this point, it could be, you know, no no press is bad press. And it, it could be an incentive to say, like, it'll get people talking about the movie sooner. Of course, Boyega is, is shown his talent before, but it could be something to, you know what, I'm going to pick him just to, just to, you know, piss people, piss the wrong kind of people off, like piss right. jerks off. And just right. say, like, this is it. Like, it may be more motivation to do that. Like, we're doing something different because of this climate. And sorry to interrupt. I guess the other thing too. I mean, this might be a rude way of putting it, but like we know that he's not going to be Leia's son or Luke's son, right? Like he's from somewhere else, and he also has the Force or something like that. And I think that makes the story more complicated. So I don't know if you need like a visual um, clue of that sort to make the story more complex. But I'm glad that we have a character that we haven't met before at all. It's going to be different, and I think that. That helps introduce a new character, I guess, for lack of a better way of doing it. So, uh, yeah, okay. So in terms of John Boyega's character, we obviously know that he starts a Stormtrooper. Um, we know he switches sides early on. I mean, even from the trailers, that's clear. It would be stupid to not do that. We need him and uh, Daisy Ridley going on adventures together. But, um, you know, ner- <laughs> this is where I'll throw some nerd stuff in. So John Boyega is apparently part of what's called the First Order which, so, yeah, so um, uh, Finn, John Boyega's character, is part of the First Order, who are, like, the elite, you know, uh, the elite of the elite of the Stormtroopers. So he's a Stormtrooper, and he's a pilot, and, like, he crashes, I guess that's how he ends up in the desert, with his, his uniform on or whatever. And they are bred the same way Jedi are, from a young age, to be, you know, killers, essentially. And so he's having a, you know, a, a crisis in his life, which... You know, it would be interesting if the Force... You know how with mutants or the X-Men, it manifests when you're, like, a a teenager or a young adult, usually? It would be interesting to see if that process happens in him in terms of the Force, and that's what gets him to... He has an existential crisis. We've seen it in the trailers numerous times. So something has to be behind the existential crisis. I think it's the Force. I'd be very disappointed if they don't make him a Jedi. It's stupid. We see him with lightsabers all over the time. I mean, it'd be really a huge cock tease if, if he's... If, I mean, him and Rey should both be force users you know if not straight up jedi uh, would be my preference but yeah that's where i think john Boyega's um, character finn starts starts his journey and what's even more confusing is you know if ray is the daughter of one of the skywalkers then why is she on an abandoned planet as a scavenger in the middle of nowhere is this a repeat of the luke and leia thing where they separate uh minor spoiler alert some people think kylo ren and her are brother and sister uh, that, you know, they separated the twins for similar reasons. So I don't know how much you guys read or listen to about this, 
But I would love to hear, especially about the two main characters, and then maybe we can go into some of the other characters, um, like what you've heard or thought, uh, whether you care, or, or if you have other ideas about where these two characters are sort of coming from. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, the Finn character, I don't know if you can definitively say that he's a, he was a stormtrooper, part of the First Order. Well, he was only a stormtrooper. We see him well, in the stormtrooper yeah, uniform, no, take off we, the helmet. Yeah. We've, we've seen Luke. We've seen Luke and Han in, in stormtrooper uniform. Got him. Episode. An episode. Uh, no, it's it's been confirmed four. that that he's a stormtrooper at least. Confirmed. I, I, yeah, it's been confirmed. Oh, all right. Because we see him. We see him on the ship with the with the other first first order stormtrooper, and that's his tie fighter that's crashing at the beginning of the trailer. That's all been confirmed. Sorry, don't want right. to rain on anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get some Star Wars Rebels in for you here, Jesse. Ready? <laughs> Yep. Okay, so in the Star Wars Rebels universe, Gabe, do you know what this is, Star Wars Rebels? Yes. Okay. So I think in the first season, um, Ezra Bridger's this uh, four-strong boy, and one of his homies is in um, like Stormtrooper Academy. And so these are humans now becoming Stormtroopers. They're not clones, I guess, anymore. And one of his homies is in Stormtrooper Academy, and he's also a person of color. So I don't know if that is Finn or if that's Finn's daddy or if it has nothing to do with Finn. I mean, they, they've released multiple Finn and Stormtrooper uniform toys. You don't do that if it's just a gimmick like the original movie. Just saying. I'm not saying. So, I mean, that's that. Oh the, no, you're uh, just you're just making the connection to Rebels. I, I get that's, yeah, that's I'm cool. making a yeah. connection to Rebel. And I think so. My thought on Finn is that he, he I mean, he's going to be a Jedi, dude. Hell yeah, man. And I, I we didn't answer my question as you if you have to be strong with the Force to to wield a lightsaber. So let's assume for a minute that it doesn't hurt to have the Force to wield a lightsaber, like. Dude's got the force, and dude's gonna fuck some shit up. Like that's that's just the way it's gonna go. Sorry. Well, you can turn it on. I mean, Han uses the lightsaber in Empire to cut open the dead. Um, oh, that's true. The it dead. Uh, what? Are, not Wampa. What was it called? The, Bantha. The that, what was it called? Yeah. Ba- ba- no, no, not I, Bantha. A Tauntaun. Tauntaun. Okay. Yeah. You know, he cuts open that's the guts of the Tauntaun and puts Luke in there. So you can turn it on. Um, they certainly have done a great job of framing it, so you're not 100% sure that he's a Jedi. Um, maybe that's part of the journey over the three movies. You don't have to make him a Jedi here. It took Luke three movies, right? So, But you can't... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate to break it down this way. You can't have a badass black dude like John Boyega with a lightsaber and not have him be a Jedi. That would really... Even more than Rey, I think, would be a huge disappointment. For all the boys out there, white, black, Latina, whatever... You need to have a young dude, you know, who doesn't think he's a Jedi become a Jedi. That would be a disappointment to me. Ray, I could see going either way. What's really interesting is it will Carrie Fisher turn out to have used uh, force powers at all in the thirty years um, since the la- since the sequels. This might be a good bridge. Um, original cast thoughts about what you've seen, what you've heard, your expectations. Do you want a lot of original cast? Do you want not so much original cast? Uh, Gabriel, any thoughts? I like what I've seen so far. Especially Luke's absence in the, in the in the trailers that that mystery behind him. They give you that connection. There's the one scene in the newer trailer where uh, Leia and Han embrace, and you can see like the the, the emotional gravity that's going to be behind seeing these characters again, possibly seeing them in peril. You know, who's going to die? Who's live? Who may is Luke possibly on on the dark side? Where has he been? Uh, this adds another level of mystery. And more excitement. You know, I'm, I'm excited about it. And it, it would be good to have this movie be a transition and focus on the, the newer characters because I mean, we do want to see the series move forward. I mean, there's going to be three more movies. Lord knows Harrison Ford is probably like he's sick of Han already. You know, one movie is probably good, but you know, I'm sure he, he's, he was ready to kill him off, you know, 30 years ago. So this could be a nice little passing of the torch. Maybe like 60% new characters, 40%. Old, old, old uh, folks. Uh, no, I think the, the I think the proportion is going to be way more towards the young characters. I think it's going to be like twenty percent. Um. So, anyways, yes, I, I agree with you. They're teasing that Han dies pretty strongly, which means he's probably not going to die. But they they are teasing that strongly. Again, no spoilers. This is completely me reading between the lines of just the trailers and you know a few interviews from characters, and they can't say anything spoilery. It's in their contract, so no spoilers here. But that's just my guess: is one of the big three will die. And this isn't a spoiler because it's on IMDb. The big four of this movie, we haven't mentioned the fourth. Oscar Chewbacca? Isaac as, no, uh, the new characters. Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, the head X-Wing pilot. 
who is going to be awesome because Oscar Isaac is awesome. And, you know, they've shown nothing dramatically from him, and that's fine, other than him getting tortured, apparently, by Kylo Ren at some point. So this isn't a spoiler alert, but the big four, you know, Finn, Ray, Poe, and Kylo Ren are all signed up for episode eight already. So, you know... If they're going to have to start killing off characters, it seems like it could be the old ones. My money would be on killing Han, just because it appears he has the by far the biggest arc. And so, you know, I mean, if you see Luke for three seconds and kill him... Actually, this is interesting. I, I, I have friends who love Luke who are very scared that he is going to A, be a bad guy, B, die, or C, both. I don't think any of those are the case. I'm not sure what your thoughts are. Let me jump in here. I, I am excited to see the old guys. I think it's, you know, I, I'm nostalgic, and I think that as long as it's not cheesy and bad, then I look forward to it, and I think it's a nice way to pass the baton forward. I think you'd be pre- – I mean, I, I'm trying to think of, like, the whole story, and, you know, like, if we go back to number four – like we have the new hope and then number five, the empire strikes back and kicks ass. And then number five, like we end number six, we end all happily happy ever after. And so I'm kind of curious how the story is going to go. And like from a dramatic storytelling perspective. And so, you know, we need, we need some conflict. We need some tension. We need something. And so whatever's going to happen with Luke, um, I'm curious, you know, like, I mean, I, I would, it would be curious to see him turn to the dark side and, and I, I've read a lot of the the blogs about the theories of why Luke joins the dark side and that he has. And, you know, I, I think it'd be interesting for the story. You know, I think Luke is someone we grew up loving and adoring, and that'd be a really interesting twist. You can definitely see where that Luke could be on that trajectory, just based on like the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. He's dressed in black. He looks a lot darker and uh, the, the choices that he has to make. The temptation, you know, that that final scene, what makes it so compelling is that, you know, it does look like he could it could go either way. Like Luke is is always constantly like walking that line of am I going to let the dark side affect me or or, or, or give into that? So there's definitely a, a, a foundation there if they chose to go in that direction. And yeah, it would, it would be it would be great. You know, it would be interesting. It would definitely give the give it more depth if you if you had that turn in, in a character or make him less of like uh, a messianic figure or a good figure as he was in the first. If you see that, that complexity in his character that, you know, everything isn't light and dark. Maybe if he, if he goes a little more gray, you know, like he's lost his way and, you know, the kind of the world has forgotten everything that he learned about the the Jedi, this current climate or this current society. People don't even know Jedi exists. And here he is like this, you know, one of the, the like the last Jedi or one of the last Jedi, and like he he can't nobody knows about him, nobody knows what he's been through. Like, what would that right. do to a person? You know, right. so there's there's just like so much to explore in that that you know if he goes in a, down a darker path, you would understand, you can make it understandable, and you know, just it could be really interesting. I like the idea of the uh, the gray area. You know, I like the idea of Luke, almost kind of like the Obi Wan character, like just kind of out in the desert, like lost and forgotten, and um, before I turn it back over to Jesse, like I think with the the Ren character, I don't know that it's Leia or Luke's progeny. Or, I don't know. You know, she could be also just a random, a random random that also is, has like you know. I guess I'm in reading these these uh, the Star Wars blogs. Like, is a force strong individual also, and so it would be interesting to see who has the force and you know if Han and Leia had kids and maybe one of them went to the dark side or maybe they're still in the wings and they can be Jedi's and fuck some shit up too, like. I don't know, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of, to to see, and I'm glad that I don't know everything yet. There's no way she's not a Skywalker. No way, impossible. I I mean, I'd be okay with her being Luke's kid. I prefer her to be Han and Leia's kid. I can't see her not being a Skywalker. Maybe they've been hiding it from her. And this is actually, I'm glad you guys uh, brought this up in terms of the bigger picture. So um, earlier we were talking. Which one? What deets was it you saying about watching? Uh, the movies one to six. Yeah, one, 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 two, three, four, five, six. Like in quote unquote chronological order, the internal Correct. chronology. Okay, so the first movie, the the gap between movies one and seven, I think, is like fifty to sixty years. I think because there's about a ten year jump between episodes one and two, and then you know there's like a twenty year jump between episodes three and four. And then they're saying it's a 30-year jump between episodes 6 and 7. They've actually said that. So it's like almost exact parallel between real years and movie years or whatever. And what's interesting is with the prequels, 
you know, the whole idea was that with the fall of the Old Republic, the rise of the Empire, the death of the Jedi, by the time we meet Luke in Episode 4, you know, Kenobi and Yoda are the only known Jedi, and, and you know, and both of them end up dying, and then Luke becomes the one and only. We, now, we learn that Leia's his sister, so she has the ability. So now we jump forward 30 years, you think the Rebel Alliance has won, that's clearly not been the case. So just to sort of nerd out on sort of, quote-unquote, Star Wars history... So what what happened? I mean, they, you know, I mean, was it just hubris on the Rebel Alliance that they thought, well, we got rid of the Emperor and Darth Vader and the Death Star and it's over? Like, I guess what I'm saying is, do, is your impression that it, the fight has been going on for, uh, continuously for 30 years since Return of the Jedi until now or that it was like in the background and then starting again because we don't seem to have a lot of Jedi? It's all very confusing. Well, it's going to lend itself to some really good practical aging effects. You know, it's probably the best ever. <laughs> you can guarantee they're going to be spot on, like, and look the appropriate age in, in, in these movies. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of which, uh, to me, the most amazing thing about the prequels is Ian McDermott as Palpatine. So, you know, Return of the Jedi is in 1983, and they make the guy look like he's 200 years old, right? In 1999, they release episode one with a young Palpatine. So in real years, he's 20 years older, but he looks like 100 years younger. Was he just not that old of a dude in the original trilogy and they just made him look super old? How did they pull that off? I guess that's the case. I mean, he's always, he's cloaked for the most part. Makeup must have been really good makeup. Well, yeah, he he was strong with the force, man. I mean, he he has age reversing uh, powers, apparently. (laughs) Well, until, um, until they until they go the other way, and they're right. Well, I would I, I do want to say this. I think in this universe with Star Wars, like I, I like yeah, I had to have the same reaction. Like the Rebels won, like it's over, the Empire's dead. And then I think in seeing again Star Wars Rebels and some of the other Star Wars stuff, like you get that the Empire's not just the Emperor and Darth Vader. Like there's other components to it, and a lot of it's economic. So like it's like these economic federation of planets and there's in supplies and stuff like that so i think that there's more to the empire than just the emperor there's money and politics and i think i think actually the early movies helped maybe establish that it's a little bit more complex than that well i guess what i was getting to with with all that talk was you know (laughs) jj really gets to have his cake and eat it too because he technically is continuing a franchise but from a feel standpoint he's really rebooting it the way he rebooted star trek now in the star trek reboot in 2009 which is fantastic in my opinion uh, even as a trekkie growing up i was totally cool that it was you know basically a star wars adventure set in the star trek universe i was completely fine with it characters were amazing great writing the whole thing you know now they use a time travel thing with spock to to you know to, to use metaphysics to reset the Star Trek universe. And because it's done in a funny and clever way, and cool way, you know, we're all fine with that. They're obviously keeping this in quote-unquote continuity, but the feel of this movie feels exactly like the feel of the beginning of A New Hope. It's on a desert planet, someone doesn't know that they're powerful, not a Jedi yet, the Emperor. I mean, is this going to be too close to the old series? Uh, to... You know what I mean? In the sense of trying to please the fans too much, that it doesn't have its own original vision. Obviously, aesthetically, it will. But I'm talking, I'm talking about the important stuff in terms of story and settings, and and just you know the hero story, the Joseph Campbell stuff, blah blah blah. Yeah, I. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Gabriel. I broke the rules. Go ahead, baby. Things are going to be a little bit different by you can see the prominence of the characters. Say for this is Han Solo, who is clearly the mentor figure here. You know, explaining to to Finn and Rey, like, you know, the, what the real world is like and what the past is like. This is the reality. The Jedi are real. And from his arc in the first movie where he was the most skeptical person and now he's he's a believer, but he's not going to be able to teach and convey that in the same way that Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan did. It's going to be that a different perspective. So even though, you, you know, a lot of the same beats may be the same, uh, just because the the perspective is different, like we're we're all you know, it's it, that role reversal is going to make it a little bit more interesting. That uh, a character like Luke, you know, that we would have been that Obi Wan figure could be is either missing or you know mysterious or possibly darker. And uh, the person who was, I mean, we experienced 
kind of like the introduction to that world through Han in the in the first movies. Like he was the normal guy, like all oh, this, you know, this this magic stuff. Like you know, what is it? But now, like you know, it's the reverse. Like not only are is is Han a believer, but you know, as as viewers, like we're we're accustomed to this universe. We're believers too. So we're going to be revisiting similar similar things, but just from from a from a different perspective, and probably with the hope from like moving on from from what the se- from the pre- what the prequels were is probably is is really going to inform like how what we what we get from this movie. I mean, it can't be overlooked that this is a, re- a reboot, you know, in in a lot of ways, and that and that and it, it's going to be able to write a lot of things from the past. So even if you know things that remind us of the first uh, episode four, four through six, it's it's going to be it's like we're begging for it. You know, it's not something that you know we're just you know yearning for. I don't think it would have the same kind of uh, fatigue as like other reboots that you know we're we're not clamoring for as much and that it aren't as needed to kind of cleanse the palate of what the, the, the prequels did. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be similar, but different. And then even what is similar, just going to be, you know, I, I see it being really appreciated and embraced as kind of a way to start fresh. Like you kind of have to go back and start fresh with new characters, but have that same familiarity. That's a great point about Han being the one to say, you know, it's true, all of it, being the skeptic in the first movie, I actually had forgotten how skeptical he was until I rewatched it recently, you know, calling it magic, as you said. And now he's saying, you know, the force, all of it, it's real. But again, this is what I call um, in movies a, a transfer of information problem, which means why is the force continuously being forgotten about during short periods, right? So in the prequels, I believe it had been like 10,000 years or something since the Sith had existed openly or something. Going back to the books or the comic books, it's at least 2,000 years. (laughs) So, you know, they knew the Sith existed, even though not openly. Somehow the Sith were existing in the background for all of these years. And then the Sith create such a genocide of the Jedi that not only do they kill all the Jedi, but people forget what the Force is. It becomes like myths and legends in, in a span of 20 years in a giant galactic empire. That makes no sense. And now we're seeing that again, that suddenly, after the you know spectacular victory of the Rebel Alliance and Luke Skywalker as an out-and-out Jedi master, and now everyone's forgotten about it again. You know, and I talk about this on my podcast with my buddy Matt, I was telling you earlier, we're talking about how movies get around advanced technology technological um, issues, Star Wars, because there's no consistency in how technology works, you just say, yeah, that information was lost, and you don't really have to explain it. And maybe this is just me being a, 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 a you know, a, a sci-fi geek, and I love Star Wars, and I like that it's, it's fantasy, as we talked about earlier, as well as science fiction. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're, they're forcing that part of the movie a little bit. Again, this is based completely on just trailers and articles and stuff like that, that, you know, Han and Leia would be the only ones to know about the Force 30 years after their great victory against the Empire. I guess that's the, the whole point. And because of the new characters who seem great in the new arc, I'm totally down with it. I just... uh yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm wondering if maybe they should have just done a full-on reboot, but n- no one would have gone for it because people want the original trilogy in uh, in continuity, and I get that. I think that. I mean, I think it's. I think it's. Um. I mean, the first the, the first quote thought I have is again. Like, like, I hope that whatever stories come, that it's it's not the same repetitive arc of like you know you know the good guys kind of do something good, and there's like the complete like you know slap back in the face from the bad guys, and the good guys win again in the third one. Like I don't want to see that. Like I want to see a different story. What I what I'm excited for with these new ones is the idea that you know for all these years I've seen four, five, and six, like everything ended happily ever after, and we're gonna learn that maybe that's not true, and that there's a lot more complex things out there than everything ended happily ever after and maybe parts of this universe that existed in the star wars world that we never knew about and maybe they didn't know about the force or didn't reach those parts of the galaxy and i think i think part of the reason i bring that up is i think that i don't know that i agree that not everybody knows about the force because i mean han's like the skeptical one but then when he saves luke's ass from darth vader in the first one he says may the force be with you it seems like everybody says that and it seems like that's just kind of like colloquialism that they say like all the rebels say may the force be with you so i think people know about the force like there's there's jedis but you know i, I don't know i'd be curious to see i know when han says all of it's true you know maybe maybe there's like this 
the conspiracy, this big empire that they're still saying, oh, this didn't happen. Don't worry, your emperor's still alive. Like, there's still this small rebel force that have barely made a dent in our big um, imperial sure. regime. I mean, I'm, I'm speculating. I have no idea. I just. Well, another, another possibility, and I should have said this earlier, is that this could be a total vocal insert for the trailer. And the actual dialogue in the movie might be along the lines of, yes, the empire is still alive and they're killing a lot of people. That's all of it's true. And, you know, and then they just insert the force stuff later. Th- th- that would be the perfect place to misdirect people into thinking that, the, you know, the force is in one place and, and not in another or whatever. Who knows? You know, I, I'm okay with that. I'm glad yeah. they're manipulating us. I, I don't want to know the truth. I guess I was just saying, you know, is J.J. When J.J. got the Star Trek reboot, he wanted Star Wars. He didn't grow up watching Star Trek. He he got into filmmaking because of Star Wars. He said this over and over again, even before he got hired. And because of the job he did on the Star Trek movie, it's part of why he got hired. But in a weird way... It, <laughs> It works great with Star Trek because he brought such a fresh perspective. He was not a fanboy, right? He wasn't a fanboy who was directing the Star Trek movie. And so, yes, he got some, you know, quote-unquote, Trekky things off a little bit, but it just brought such a fresh vibe. You could argue that's the best Star Trek movie ever, and there's been a lot. I wonder if, he, if his fanboyishness could make it... I mean, look at everything we've seen. Like, look at the ships, TIE Fighters, X-Wings, the Millennium Falcon. We see them over and over and over again, the same ships. Now, it's all in atmosphere, which is great. They're doing all the combat on planets. That's something I wanted to comment on. I love space battles, but it's great to put it you know, in atmosphere on planets with all the natural terrain. We haven't seen any really new technology. You know, we've still got the lightsabers. we got a guy who looks like Darth Vader. I mean, there's nothing other than the camera work and more naturalistic acting that is different from the original trilogy. And maybe that'll be cool. Maybe they're just hiding it from us. I have to think they're hiding the good stuff. Oh, I hope so. And I think it's going to be one step at a time. And I think that they're slowly building us up for we don't know what's going to happen. And, like, I think we kind of got to take the ride. Like, none of us have seen this story. With the prequels, we knew what was going to happen, right? We all knew where this road goes. And so now none of us have any idea. Push me back. J.J. Abrams should be capable. I mean, he's proved himself with Star Wars. I mean, with Star Trek. And he's kind of... Super 8, he kind of had that same... He was, like, striving to do that that Spielberg 80s vibe. Just the, you know, trajectory of J.J. Abrams, you know, starting out with Cloverfield and doing Super 8, which was a throwback to the Spielberg movies of the 80s, like an E.T. feel. And then, yeah, he's already cut his teeth on 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 Star Trek. It's it was as if it was like a a warm up, you know. So utmost confidence in him. He's done it before, really. So it, he's in another thing to get excited about. And then the the trailer just confirms everything that that we want to see, you know, moving forward in this in the series. Like great special effects, um, interesting characters, mystery. You know, of course, let's hope it's not the same mystery that was behind the you know the identity of Khan and. In, uh, into darkness and it's just you know they they kind of tried to conceal that but it ended up being you know an exact beat for beat remake of uh the wrath of Khan movie so yeah. I mean, that's that's something we, we we do have to work out for that you know maybe you know he in the wrath of uh, the wrath of Khan remake which was star wars uh, star trek into darkness he kind of went went down that path so you can be confident that of the quality of it but you know, will will he learn from those past issues? And I mean, that was like a criticism. I'm I'm sure he he heard about about uh you know Star Trek too. So you know, it's just so busy he's learned from it. And he's a dynamic enough filmmaker where you know you give him the benefit of the doubt that he won't fall into the same you know same mistakes that he uh, he he fell into before, hoping that you know there's not there there is Disney pressure behind him too. I mean, that's something that they may be going. They may be pressured to kind of go for. Well, yeah. I mean, n- not to mention. You know, making six hundred million on a Star Trek movie was a huge success. He has to make at least three times that on this movie for it to be. You know, he's got to make close to two billion, I think, to, for it, this to be considered a success. Um, There's a lot of pressure. I would argue, actually, the reason Into Darkness, one of many reasons Into Darkness did not work, is because they tried to shoehorn Khan in 
Um, meaning it wasn't a beat for beat from Khan. It stole certain beats and mixed it up and thought that was being really clever. But when you learn he's actually Khan, it does nothing for the movie, even for a hardcore Star Trek fan like myself. I did lose a little faith in him because of that. I do speculate it was a bad script, it was rushed, and because of him being courted by Star Wars, um, might have influ- influenced that. But we do know that he doesn't know how to do the first one well. And we should mention, they're getting different directors for all three of the new trilogy movies. And they also have different directors for the spinoffs. You know, we're getting a new Star Wars movie every year from now for the next five years, and I'm actually okay with with that you know but episode seven eight and nine have different directors as do the um the the rogue one with felicity jones which is actually real which is coming out next year um and then there's another one in a couple years i think having to do with boba fett and han solo i don't know if that's true but uh i I like that they just gave jj this one and you know it's tough to do two mega epics i mean i personally love the second avengers as much as the first but i'm in the minority with that and like you know, I know that Joss Whedon wasn't thrilled with sort of being told what to do with his second effort after being given freedom with the first one. I don't think J.J. would have that problem, but I think keeping this fresh with new directors is a, a great move. And so I want to um, bridge us into some of the headier topics, if you will, um, that we all want to talk about. Uh, and so before we jump there, anything about the new movie that you guys want to uh, to talk, to mention or, or get out there? Yeah, just the general excitement about it. Uh, there's we, t- we touched on a lot. Uh, and I'm, I'm not the hugest Star Wars fanboy, but, you know, it's a, it's a testament that, you know, you can't help but get excited about it, you know, about what's going to happen and potentially being, you know, the biggest film ever, like the the pre-ticket sales you know, outpacing the, you know, previous record by eight times. I mean, it's just going to, it's going to be an event, you know, and it really is a like a transcendent, it's going to be like a pop culture event that's really made define this, this definitely this generation coming up. Like we're, we're approaching like one of those moments and you can just feel that coming. And, and it's something that, you know, it's, it's been like in our, in our youth, it was Star Wars again. And even though the Phantom Menace let us down, you know, it's something that we shared, and then the generation before that had their movie. So it's 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 really going to become like this generational, you know, almost rite of passage or a ritual that everybody, every generation is going to have their Star Wars movie, and yeah. it it really is going to you know tie into you know the, the initial connection that we had with you know the the Jedi and the Force kind of being this myth. It's it kind of you know that has weaved this way you know, into the culture and, you know, it's going to, it's this like latest round of movies is, is sure to like keep that going, like refreshing the energy of it every generation. So it's, it's just excited to, to observe, it's exciting to observe it, you know. 